for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Talia Handler, who joined nine-year-old men's basics brand, Mac Weldon, as its first CMO in May. I wanted to ask Talia about her priorities in her new role, plus why she chose to jump from the agency world to the brand side mid-pandemic. Welcome, Talia. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Honored to have you so early in the game. I mean, usually <laughs> folks are off limits for a bit. Let them get their bearings. Do you feel like you have your bearings this early on? Well, do we ever have our bearings? Um, right. No, I think I'm four months in going into kind of the busiest quarter of the year. So I'm ready, whether I like it or not. So talk to me, where were you prior to Mac Weldon? I spent my entire career on the agency side, kind of moving up from literally the assistant account executive to the account executive to kind of like chasing that next level. And then I finally got to run an agency and become a president, and it was a wonderful opportunity. But as I was getting more senior, I was realizing that the stuff that I was most passionate about, which were driving the business, working with clients, kind of having my hands in the creative was getting further and further away from me. So I kind of made a bit of a pivot and decided to become a consultant. And I had an amazing time. I have to say, being a consultant, when you're coming into a lot of different brands, mostly I was working with startup brands with either founders directly or with some type of founding team or nascent team to help build either a product, a set of resources, um, operational infrastructure, et cetera. Um, and most recently, prior to my time at Matt Golden, I was at TikTok helping um, from a strategy perspective on e-com and retail, mid-sized business stuff. So it was a really nice, actually easy or smoother transition for me to come here. I didn't know about the TikTok step. That's so interesting. I don't publish hey. it anywhere, but so you get the exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. I like it. Um, so did you know, I'm such a fan of Brian, um, founder and CEO of Mac Weldon. Did you know him ahead of time? Um, what was that relationship prior? I didn't know him ahead of time, but to be fair, I was introduced to him many months before I started and kind of uh, some other contacts that I have said, you know, you should really meet Brian. There's a lot going on in Mac Weldon. They could use someone like you. And I met Brian, obviously over Zoom in the height of the pandemic. And we started talking and he was talking to me about Mac Weldon. And obviously he's an amazing human being. As you know, he's been on this podcast as well. And I kind of said, oh, everything sounds so great there. You don't need anyone like me. And he was like, well, let's just keep talking. And over the course of, oh my gosh, it was like four months, we just kept on talking. And then I met the rest of the leadership team, you know, and then this role started to take shape. Um, but I didn't know Brian before, but I guess because I've known him since, I mean, four months prior to my start time here, I definitely feel like I've known him for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, I guess what is your criteria? I'm sure you've been maybe um, attempted to be poached by brands left and right uh, in your career. Um, what what was, I guess, the selling point for Mac Weldon to, to come in-house, join the brand? That's a great question. I think for me, there were two kind of key things, which were passion and in meeting, obviously, Brian, the rest of the leadership team and kind of 
some other folks on the Mac Weldon team. It's at such a special place in its brand's kind of trajectory where everyone involved still has such heart and skin in the game for so many reasons. And I just love that so much that you kind of feel the Mac Weldon-ness, if that's a term, on everybody. And I think it was really unusual for me to kind of feel it in such an organizational way. And then the other one is was the remit, which was there's this amazing brand, amazing product, amazing brand fans. I know, Jill, when we were together a few months ago, I was telling everybody at this dinner just about how people are crazy about Mac Weldon and they really, once they buy into it, they go nuts. But we just need more of those brand fans and to be a part of the brand's kind of next stage in going from an amazing performance marketing brand to a true integrated brand in the, a global integrated brand in the world. It's just, that's kind of a once or twice in a lifetime opportunity. So I think those two combined. Plus, again, I think my time at TikTok was really seeing what was happening in the, in the e-com, the DTC, the retail mid-market space and kind of seeing all the shifts that were happening and felt like I could bring a lot to the table there from not only my integrated marketing experience, but also kind of my mo most recent media platform experience. So it kind of seemed like a perfect time to dive in. Yes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I've never brought up Mac Weldon at a dinner, but I think there were two guys at this at this dinner in June. Um, and you know, you said where you were come where you were from, where you were working. Um, and the two guys there, <laughs> they were like, Yes, it's all I wear. Anyway, and they were start talking about they were like, I don't know head-to-toe styles they're wearing at the time. Like, I, this isn't the t-shirt, this is this. Um, what do you know about your brand loyalty? Is it is it just once you try the brand you're in? Um, yeah, how loyal are your customers? Our customers, I have to say, are quite loyal. Um, again, I think once they buy in, they kind of lock and load into kind of our offering. The type of person that typically buys from us is that guy who is a pantry loader. He buys, my husband is one of these guys, um, who now only wears Mac Weldon t-shirts that, you know, he'll buy his four black t-shirts for the next however many months, six pairs or seven pairs of underwear for however many months, et cetera. So our guy, once he locks in, he's just like, okay, these are my t-shirts. These are my underwear. These are kind of my pants or shorts. Our ace sweatpant, which came up a lot at our dinner, um, is just kind of this golden star um, across the board. So I think once guys really lock in, they stick with us. So we see just in terms of like their loyalty, their engagement with Weldon Blue, our loyalty program, but also their engagement, which this is mind blowing to me, but our emails, our marketing emails, the people respond to them. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> Do you get like, those emails? <laughs> I get to see everything. We have a Slack channel for it. So it's amazing to the people really respond to the communications that we send them as human beings. So there are, you know, a lot of our communications are signed from part of our customer experience team and people write back and say like, Hey, Maurice, like, thanks so much. I just got these shorts. Like, I love this color. 
And it's just this amazing thing because who responds to a marketing email or thinks it even goes to a real address, right? So we get a lot of that. I think, you know, for us from a loyalty perspective is how do we build upon the loyalty that we have, right? In terms of really harnessing the advocacy to your point, these two guys jumped up at dinner and one of them who I happened to sit next to kind of in the phase two of the dinner, I said, how many people have you told about Magwell and how have you done it? And he said, well, you know, like I got everyone in my family to do it, but I wouldn't post anything on social or do anything. So I think it's about how do we harness kind of that advocacy and give our customers the tools that they need to share their experiences in a way that's very natural for them. So and our guy tends to be a little bit more reserved, not fully in on posting on social media about like the outfit he's wearing today, et cetera. So I think that's the next phase for us, for sure. And then it's just about getting more people into the brand. So the more people we get in the, into the brand, we see just like the more loyalty we just naturally get. And it's been, even in my short time here, it has been amazing to see even that growth over the past few months with our new integrated campaign and kind of our more integrated go-to-market approach. Yes. Well, a couple of those, uh, I guess, uh, characteristics of your customer. Uh, is that unique to your customer? Because I hear that a lot about guys, to the two things, both that they uh, find something they love and they stick to it. They're not big shopping around kind of, kind of folks. And also the, um, yeah, I mean, kind of your work cut out for you in terms of social media. And I guess guys aren't maybe looking for or – hyping what they're wearing and looking for style inspiration uh, as a whole. Some are, but yeah. Is that true of most guys, would you say? I think it's, it's yeah. I mean, I hate to make broad-based um, assumptions, but I think guys don't shop as much as women, right, yeah. by nature. Come on, guys. Get out there. <laughs> it's okay. We allow it. Um, it is fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they don't think about clothing, right? Like the same way that other, you know, that women do. Again, some men absolutely do, but we definitely, men are a harder nut to crack that way. And they don't always follow influencers. They they are inspired by influential people. And we see, especially within our customer base, that kind of genuine connection to people who are influential, but not necessarily influencers for a living, right? Is something, and then someone in a group that our, um, our customer definitely gravitates towards, but they're definitely harder to figure out. They do lock in though, which is good. You know, women are a little bit more, we flit around a little bit more for sure. Um, so I think that's, the upside of that is the loyalty factor. And if we continue to make great products and expand our product offering like we have, someone who we get to come in through Aeronidex, which are just amazing underwear, will kind of move on up to polos, shorts, a sweatpants, storm yes. chaser jackets, which are amazing. <laughs> yeah, She's I'm got always a whole plugging. closet behind her. <laughs> My whole closet behind me. Um, you know, so they're just we are becoming a complete wardrobe destination for our target, which is great. So I think that once we get them, in, we just have to get them in in different ways for sure. Yes. Well, knowing how uh, engaged your audience is, your customer is, how are you using that to your advantage? Are there, I guess, 
focus groups or they're in, they're involved in product development and choosing the colors and a couple of things like that that I hear time and time again? So we do a few things. We definitely um, talk to our customers a lot, probably not as much as we should. I think we're maybe a little too cautious there, but you know, like it was National Underwear Day and we did a survey um, and we just did it to kind of a, about a thousand guys. And I have to say, we got responses back. I think we got a 70% response rate or something outrageous within like an hour and a half. And we wow. had kind of 10 simple questions like right leg or left leg, meaning like, you know, which one do you put first in your underwear? <laughs> um, and people wrote back right away. And it just shows, I think, that even the smallest, kind of cutest, funniest things they're involved in to kind of our wear testing, which is really interesting where we bring in our customers not to help us design a product, but to help us perfect it for the uses that they want to apply it towards. So in our last wear test, we found out that the kind of like a more kind of sports forward polo would also be good for going to the office, which we never even thought about. And that kind of not only helps inform kind of how we market a product and speak about it, right? But also kind of as we think about our product development cycle, as we're adding products around it, what does that mean, right? Like what what are the shifting feelings and norms that kind of people have around products coming out of COVID, right? Like, oh, something that maybe 18 months ago, we're like, this is for, you know, more sporty. And now everyone's like, that's good enough for the office, right? right. <laughs> for so, sure. So there's also some great learnings there and just some of our customers' reactions to those. And not only that, what was interesting about our latest wear test is the percentage of people who received, obviously, a great free product that went online and purchased from us within 30 days was exceptionally high. So that product wasn't available for purchase. But again, it was just like a brand interaction engagement moment that probably reminded them or was a nice cue to say something like, oh, I should stock up. We're going to fall, whatever that moment is. So I think like it's it does become a very virtuous circle in a lot of different ways for us. For sure. Well, I know that you rolled out, you were quick to roll out your first uh, grand campaign for the brand. I think that was in July. Um, yeah. Tell me about the the intention, the, the goal with that, what it all entailed. Walk me through it. So the Buy Some Time campaign was really the company's, the brand's first integrated campaign since launch. So nine years prior. Um, and it was kind of the culmination of a really kind of long research project that kicked off, I think, the week of COVID or the week before COVID and kind of mined a few different things, which were customer insights around the brand, our business strategy around product development. So we launched as a single kind of underwear first, then we kind of grew into the underpinnings, right? So like, T-shirts, socks, underwear, and now we've really evolved into an entire wardrobe. Like we own, instead of the top drawer, like when we started, we own the wardrobe. And with the launch of the campaign, it was really finding the expression, which was buy some time, around what we now call our daily wear system, which is the sum of all the parts of everything that we make that works together and when they work together, they produce radically efficient wardrobing and they save you time. 
time to think about what you're going to wear in the morning, time to think about what you're going to buy, how you're going to buy it. Does this work with that? And that extends all the way through as we think about like holiday to gift buying and gift receiving, right? So how are you giving gifts of efficiency and time as well, whether that's because we package a lot of things together for a great value, right? And have a lot of use, or it's about just getting it really quick and whether that's an online shopping moment or an in-store moment as well. Amazing. So what channels were you focused on with that campaign? Where were you spending the most? We're spending the most on TV. Yes. TV takes the most money out of your budget still (laughs) in this day and age. Um, You think it'd be cheaper by now. Uh, But this was truly an integrated campaign. So as we think about every single kind of point in the marketing funnel from TV all the way down, it was our messaging, our comms architecture, our media buying was all meant to work together to really get across the features, the benefits, the functionality, not only of the clothing, not only of the daily wear system, but for everyone to kind of walk away and understand who Mac Weldon was so much more. And again, it's going back to the fact that people who know us love us, but we're still quite unknown and still kind of quite a big secret, if you will. And as part of that, we also started a real and very comprehensive brand tracker. So what we'll start to do over time is to see really how those integrated marketing efforts are not only obviously in a short term building our bottom line, which so far that's true, but also helping to kind of keep customers kind of more engaged, know more about us, know more about our product collections and categories and what we're known for. And we can start to really track that over time to kind of prove and kind of also just respond to that long-term change in customer sentiment. And that's a really exciting moment, especially for me to come in and be a part of that, working with, um, you know, kind of an amazing internal team, but also an amazing agency partner and the team at Bullish that helped steward this through during the darkest days of definitely of the pandemic. Well, what do you know about the success of the campaign? Did it work to drive sales? Was it all about awareness? So what's interesting about the campaign is we launched this campaign without any new products, which typically, right, When there's a new iPhone campaign, you only see it when there's a new phone. And they're like, the new camera is here. It's not even about a phone anymore, right? Right. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I saw the the latest billboard this morning. We launched it with our new brand positioning, but without a new product message, a new kind of even color assortment. And that was done for a few reasons, which were to get a baseline so we could actually start building momentum as products get added in, but also not to wait until we had a product announcement, which we're actually over the next, well, at the end of this month, we have a great one. And then early Q1, some really great stuff. If you love Ace sweatpants, you'll love what's coming next at the end of this month. So get excited. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think like to see the momentum, the engagement, the interaction, right? Like it's not just about a sale, but what type of sale? So are we getting more valuable customers that aren't just coming in for as a one and done? Like is the average order value up, right? Is their lifetime value starting to tick up? So those are things that as we were kind of moving forward and using the same marketing 
playbook from a Facebook, Google, Instagram perspective, we're getting a lot of single sales, but not necessarily folks that really are buying more than their immediate need of like a pair of underwear, a polo, et cetera. So what we've seen as part of this campaign, we're definitely starting to get momentum with the types of customers that we know will build our business long-term. And that's really exciting. And as we're going into holiday, the next iteration of Buy Some Time is obviously lensed through a bit more of a festive um, point of view. But with that product assortment, with gift giving a part of it, like there is no doubt that the campaign, the positioning, plus our amazing products will just kind of all work together in a, and kind of supercharge the bottom line. There's no doubt. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. I was going to ask, when times are tough, what's your approach to marketing? Is that a time to pull back on marketing? Do you keep it consistent? Do you maybe lean lean in? But first of all, were times tough? I know you guys, you know, you have the comfort wear that everybody was seeking. Uh, how would you describe, uh, I guess, last year in terms of sales and, and yeah, the, how, your, how your spend on advertising, uh, how you change that accordingly? So the pandemic was good to Mac Weldon. I mean... A sweatpants, you know, it's just Sunday lounge pants, which I'll, if anyone wants to get anything for a man in their life, please get them Sunday lounge pants. They're my favorite. They're kind of an unsung hero in our collection, but um, I think they're spectacular. And so we benefited from working from home, from people who want to be more comfortable, but still look great to be able to kind of be at home and then be outside for a little bit. I think just by nature of the things that we made, we, we really lucked out. And when we have like an amazing product with what was happening in the media landscape where we could take advantage of things. So this is prior to my time, but running TV during the pandemic because, you know, there was contraction from a budget perspective as it related to other advertisers. We were able to ride that wave. That was great. We knew that that was going to come back as soon as vaccines started to come back. And lo and behold, as we launched our campaign, you know, we're paying full boat uh, for media. But I think what was nice during the pandemic is we were able to test into some new things like TV being one of them. We kind of tested even more into just having being associated more with like OTT from a from a TV perspective and also just changing up some of our other kind of standing strategies to align to more of an integrated approach. Now, what's happening today as it relates to the duopoly, which we're all oh, yeah. so dependent on that, you know, yep. on that drug. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, obviously with with all of the iOS changes, privacy changes from Facebook, I think there's no doubt that everyone's life has kind of been disrupted. The good news for us was, or is, we still have this amazing product that's not slowing down post-pandemic. Because again, like to the wear test I told you about, now people are saying like, I want to be more comfortable at work. So our Maverick Tech Chino, which launched not that long ago, is the perfect thing to go back to work in because it still gives you that comfort. It still has four-way stretch and it's water repellent and all of these like amazing things. Um, but you can still maybe feel like you're in a comfy pair of pants versus a more kind of rigid or wool-based pair of pants. But the challenge 
again, with our, with the supply drying up a little bit from like a paid social perspective is we've always, and I'm really pushing us to get into more boats. So what are we trying? How are we getting out there? We have a lot of kind of new things that we're testing into, not only from a platform perspective, but from a technology perspective. So there's just a lot of amazing technology partners that we started working with that can help supercharge the media buys that we have, whether that's through like AI, through kind of better data and lookalike creation, through just kind of buying media in a different way and letting us take advantage of those types of things. So we've been lucky in that we're we're already starting to go that way, but it's definitely taking a minute, obviously, to get the results that we were all so used to. And, you know, every weekend I talk to everybody that I know, I'm like, what's going on? What are you guys doing there? And everyone's, we're all in the same boat. And I think that's, that's for better or worse. But at the same time, it's such an amazing opportunity for us because we're also expanding from a retail perspective, which is a living, breathing, interactive billboard in so many ways. But for us, as we've kind of had this history of one product going to one, you know, PDP, making a purchase and leaving us, some of these other media outlets and our own retail expansion just give us an opportunity to start the story in a, in a much bigger, more impactful way. So as you see all the stuff behind me, you are seeing and experiencing the daily wear system versus maybe just knowing us for one product at a time. That's an amazing opportunity for us. That was something that before the pandemic was part of our strategy and roadmap. And we're just kind of it got a little delayed during that time, but now we're really pushing that forward, kind of going into Q4 and going into Q1. You'll see some, some announcements from us. Yes. Well, I mean, on, on your weekends when you're, when you're <laughs> inquiring about what everyone's up to, is there some CMO club that I am not a part of? <laughs> who, are you ta- who are you comparing notes with? Let me tell you. I am lucky enough to know a lot of people in a lot of different industries and whether that's kind of people on the media property side, people in fashion, um, you know, people even, it's so funny, like even in other DTC goods as it relates to hair care, skin care, et cetera. Yeah. Anyone that, that is really reliant on marketing directly to consumers in such an impactful, very volume heavy way. I'm, I just call them and ask them and (laughs) we'll be in the middle of coffee and I'll say, Oh, what's going on? I live in the West village. So, um, Bleecker street is right around the corner. I go into stores and Bleecker street. I did this past weekend. I asked people how traffic is and where's the traffic coming from? And, you know, all those types of things. Um, but it's, you know, I think again, we're all in the same boat, but it's an amazing time of opportunity and growth for all of us to figure out what's next. And that's exciting as a marketer, as a person who watches our daily sales, not always, well, literally have a tab open all day long, but (laughs) not always fun. But as a marketer and thinking about this brand and what we can do and where we can go, it is exciting. We do get to write a new playbook 
and design it in a way that it's kind of more conducive to our product roadmap and brand experience. It is exciting. Well, tell me more about this retail, physical retail as billboard. Where are you opening stores? Uh, What locations make sense? How many stores make sense? What's going on? Well, I can't say too much, but um, in the next few weeks, we'll have some announcements. We're just solidifying everything. But, you know, overarchingly, when we launched the store in Hudson Yards, it was a great opportunity And then the pandemic hit, obviously, and that's now just starting to come back to life. And knowing that retail is always going to be a part of our strategy, it just got delayed. We're now supercharging it. So looking at, obviously, the places and spaces where we have high concentrations of existing customers, we see that kind of when there's a store in the area where there's customers or overarchingly, there's like a 30% higher LTV. So that's great. They work with each, right? Like online really works with offline to do kind of do the job it's supposed to do. So we are going to have more New York presence, more presence on the other coast, some other places and spaces. (laughs) You're just looking at me with those eyes. I can't, but I've been sworn to secrecy. But it is very exciting and is kind of an activation point, right, for existing customers in the area. We're really excited. And obviously, you know, some customers are starting to hear about it and know and we're starting to invite them into things. But I think as as part of our growth, that full experience of when you walk into a Mack Weldon store and really understand how we make amazing clothing for every area of like work kind of play and everything in between. And we architect the stores around that. So the, we architect our stores around those use cases. I think it's going to be a really awesome Q4 and Q1 for us, for sure. For sure. Are you putting more of those stores in malls? Are malls out of the, the equation? It's very interesting you mentioned malls because malls are definitely not out of the equation. Where we're looking to go right now is a little bit more where there's higher foot traffic of an external outside nature. Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. As we think about our wholesale expansion, obviously malls are going to be a part of that just by nature of some partners. But it's, you know, we are really focusing on being where our customers are, right? So where is a place that we can add most value to our customer's life? And typically that is in certain places by nature of how old our customer is, where he lives right now, if we look at our top 20 markets, that type of thing. So malls aren't out of the picture. I think, you know, Hudson Yards is a very exceptional and very special project, right? To be a part of that when it opened and kind of what that meant for the city. Obviously, it's slightly different coming out of the pandemic, but I was there not that long ago and it was pretty busy. It's really starting to to really um, just be more active. And I think, you know, summer doesn't hurt, tourism doesn't hurt, that type of thing. 
That's for sure. Well, I know uh, in reading about Mac Weldon on our sister site, uh, Modern Retail, uh, that speaking of holiday, uh, you guys pushed up. You, you start planning sooner, uh, maybe the end of Q1, uh, maybe three months earlier than you would normally be planning. Uh, when you said supply, initially my my thoughts went to uh, supply chain, but um, I'm sure that involved planning for uh, marketing and where you're going to put your your dollars and in what channels and and scooping up that placement. But anyway, talk to me about preparation for holiday. So preparation for holiday has been amazing. Um, the one thing I exceptionally love about retail is holiday. And I say that most genuinely. And what I love about the team here is everyone kind of feels the same way. It's just kind of Every time I get to show something, I showed some things to Brian yesterday um, from the creative, from a creative perspective, and we were just very giddy about the whole thing. Um, but as we go into holiday, obviously, it's the culmination of this perfect storm of making sure that we have all the right products kind of chosen, crafted together in gift packs, et cetera, choosing the right time to go live with our media overall. Every year it's getting earlier and earlier and earlier. So we've kind of made a decision about like, we know when the lights are going on this year, it's a bit earlier, but not, it's not when you still have like back to school in CBS. So that's kind of, <laughs> that's too soon. Um, yeah. And just architecting that out in a way where we can have amazing kind of product newness and launches and surprises and delights along the way to keep our customers like not only from a um, acquisition perspective, but from an existing customer perspective, really engaged and excited was something that we really focused on this year. I think with the campaign from a buy some time perspective and its resonance as a, as a theme going into the holiday coming out of COVID where time not only blended and stood still, <laughs> but was also more <laughs> precious, right? And what does that mean now that we're going back out into the world? Like, what is the time that you're holding on to? What is the time that you're not willing to give up or waste, if you will, right? A lot of people are saying, like, I don't want to do that commute anymore. I don't want to go to the gym and walk 20 minutes there and back because now I have a Peloton, right? So, there is something very magical in that as well as like time for holidays, time for being together, time for gifting, time for gifting and being kind to yourself. So we're leveraging a lot of that going into holiday um, without giving too much away. And I think overall it's, it's very human, but it's very Mac Weldon. It's very product focused, um, but we're trying to do some different things this year and we're excited about it. Awesome. You have me excited for the holidays. Love it. Um, <laughs> tell me about the biggest challenge, I guess, you're facing uh, moving forward or facing now. Uh, yeah. What are you working on? What's what's giving you a headache? Well, what is giving everything? No. Um, <laughs> I, I think going back to media, right, in terms of how are we shifting to get the volume and get the quality of customer that we need to continue to grow our business the way that we have? And again, I know we're not alone there, but it is something that we're, we're very methodical in how we test and learn. And we're moving very quickly as we get into new boats and try new things. And we've started to see kind of green shoots and great things start to happen 
which is wonderful. But that is definitely something I think that as we diversify, as we become more integrated as a marketing organization, what what are the media outlets that are going to be the ones that we'll invest in? And then the role, obviously, that our expanding retail footprint will play is obviously a huge opportunity that we know will start to take shape. But how are we activating that as, you know, a media property as much as a customer experience emporium, right? So there's a lot that we can do there. And it's a lot to figure out very quickly. But at the same time, like those are what they call rich people problems, right? In terms like, what do we do? How do we get there quickly? Because we're moving so fast. But I think that's one of the things being at a company like Mack Weldon, we have the opportunity to take advantage of certain things and move very quickly. You know, we have a very small leadership team, myself, Brian, you know, there, there's five of us. So when we want to make a decision, it's very quick and that's great. But then delivering on it, you know, especially as a newly minted CMO in this category is always a bit stomach ache inducing. <laughs> Yes, I could see this. And the company, I I mean, is it just like one step at a time here? Like global ambitions, like what's happening on the international front? And is that, I guess, the next order of business? We have, we're technically international because we ship to Canada. (laughs) See, that, that, yes, that makes sense. (laughs) Um, Everything is on the table, right? And I think as brands, continue to grow, right? Like ours, we are very much digital first. Digital first has no place in space, right? So it is it is a natural evolution for a brand like ours to expand. I think we have a lot of in-country things to do at the moment, but we're always t- having conversations, thinking about what's next, kind of figuring out where the what are the products that will lead to expansion? What are the, you know, the places to go, that type of thing. So nothing, I don't think concrete to share yet, but, you know, I think our national retail expansion is the biggest, the biggest thing that we'll definitely tackle this year. Exciting. Well, I guess the big takeaways, (laughs) get ready for more Mac Weldon stores, buy those sweatpants, anything I left out? (laughs) The Sunday lounge pant. I'm telling you, anyone that buys a Sunday lounge pant, reach out to me and tell me about your experience because they are phenomenal. And it's just one of those pants that like, I think once we expand from a retail perspective, there are those pants that you just like touch and try on and fall in love with. And I think from an e-com perspective, I don't know if they've always got their due, Um, but those that know really love them. And you heard it here yes. first from me. So I mean, I've never worn them and I recommended them to Jack, formerly of Digiday. I'm like, you need these because he was asking me about great sweatpants. I've heard great things. Anyway, I, I'm with you. <laughs> Talia, thank you for being here. This was oh so fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.